Hello and welcome back to Sense and Spirituality. My name is Sheila McGregor and it is good to have your company today. Over the past two weeks, we have been exploring Marcus Borg's book, Reading the Bible Again for the First Time. Our study group at Siloam consists of a wonderful gathering of fully engaged searchers and seekers, and I am finding the discussions invigorating. It is also great to have my co-leaders David Knoppert and David Dillon, who bring their own very interesting and thoughtful lenses to the text. Many thanks to them both. Plus, as I've said, it is also good to have your company online as we continue our study. I hope you are enjoying reading along at home. Today we look at Chapter 3, Reading Lenses, History and Metaphor. As we noted earlier, one of the most important needs of our time is to find a fresh way to read the Bible. We can no longer take the scriptures literally or see the Bible as the inerrant word of God. But while the Bible is a human product, we cannot simply dismiss it as nonsense. For contained in the scriptures, we find much truth and great wisdom. For Borg, the key to reading the Bible is to take an historical metaphorical approach. He notes that the historical and the metaphorical lenses provide two large umbrellas that help us to discern the meaning of the scriptures. When we read the scriptures from an historical perspective, we ask, first of all, what did this text mean in the ancient historical setting in which it was written? What is the historical context? This is important because it keeps us from imposing our own agendas on the text. For example, the prohibitions against homosexuality, the wearing of blended fabrics, and the eating of shellfish in Leviticus describe practices with which ancient Israel was uncomfortable. They are not prescriptions for our own time. But it is not enough simply to explore the historical setting. We must also go beyond what it meant for its ancient audiences and ask another question. What does this story mean as a story, independent of its historical factuality? What is its meaning for us today? Metaphorical language is non-literal. It involves a way of seeing the world that has more to do with art and poetry. Borg uses the illustration, my love is a red, red rose. Now, no one would read this and think that the author is in love with a red rose. No, it is an attempt to describe how beautiful one's beloved is. Metaphorical language, however, often has multiple meanings. So saying that one's beloved is like a red, red rose may also be a reference to the fact that such love is not lasting. Roses, after all, wither and die. They also have thorns, which point to the difficulties that lovers often face. 
both historical and metaphorical approaches approaches to the scriptures are imperative. Each approach needs the other. As Borg writes, the historical needs the metaphorical so that the text is not imprisoned in the past. The metaphorical needs the historical so that it does not become subjective fancy. Borg says that the Bible is a combination of history and metaphor, or what he calls historical memories and metaphorical narratives. A metaphorical narrative is a story that combines both history and metaphor. It results in what Borg calls history metaphorized. Metaphorized, sorry. Behind the story, there lies an historical event. For example, Borg is convinced that behind the stories of Jesus healing the blind, there is indeed an historical event. Jesus did actually perform many healings in his ministry. But then there are those stories that Borg believes are purely fictional. The stories around Jesus' birth walking on the water, multiplying loaves and fishes, and so on. But Borg is also quick to point out that there are many biblical stories not rooted in historical facts that do actually contain real truth. Take the Exodus story, for example. According to Borg, the way the Exodus story is used in the Jewish celebration of Passover each year reveals its power for our own generation. It was not just our fathers and our mothers who were Pharaoh's slaves in Egypt, but we, all of us, gathered here tonight. Thus, the Exodus story is understood to be true in every generation. It portrays bondage as a perennial human problem from which God desires us to be free. There are many different kinds of human bondage. In our own day, there is the bondage of alcoholism, drug abuse, gambling, pornography, work, video games, consumerism, poverty, chronic disease and negative thinking, to name just a few examples. These are things that sap our energy and steal our lives, robbing us of joy and meaning. The Exodus story is thus a timeless story that speaks to all generations. The two hermeneutical umbrellas that Borg introduces us to in this chapter the historical and the metaphorical, provide us with new lenses for interpreting the scriptures with deep spiritual integrity and wisdom. They enable us to move from pre-critical naivete, that early childhood state in which we take it for granted that the stories of the Bible are factually true, through a stage of critical thinking when we begin to question what we have been taught. This then can lead us to the place of post-critical naivete. This is the ability to hear the biblical stories once again as true stories, even though we know that they may not be factually true and their truth does not depend on their factuality. Borg says that this is when we begin to claim, as the indigenous storyteller often states at the beginning of a story, now, I don't know if it happened exactly this way or not, 
but I know this story is true. Before next week, please take some time to think of some biblical examples that come to mind when you hear these words. Now, I don't know if it happened exactly this way or not, but I know this story is true. Thanks for reading chapter 4 in preparation for our study on February 10th. See you next week.